Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And it is one of our last two episodes of the year. And as we have done, I think most recent years, we are here to talk about the best of the year. All of our bests, excluding the books, which is next week, because that needs a full episode. I feel like this is the precursor for the goals episode for 2024, which I'm also thinking about because we're recording it in a few weeks. So I just love this. I love these little moments of reflection. I know we get to talk about the good stuff and then we get to figure out what we want to do with our next year. First, let's get into some highs and lows as usual. What is your high this week, Becca? So I alluded to it in the last episode, but I felt like it needed its own shout out. So since Thanksgiving, the activity around my book has just gone bananas. It's getting like just so many more Goodreads readings. It feels like people are reading it. I'm getting tagged in so much on social media. I'm seeing people do book clubs and it is such a life highlight. That is so exciting. I'm seeing it everywhere in the Geneva group and your reposts and stuff. It's just so thrilling. It is. I I get such a rush Every time I open my DMs and I have, you know, people who are telling me that they read it or people tagging me when they spot it in an airport or a Target or something. It just, it's so fun to see other people engaging with it. That's amazing. I can't wait for you to experience it. Oh, I literally cannot imagine it. (laughs) So it makes me happy just to see you do it. So I can't imagine what it feels like to be in your shoes. But yeah, fingers crossed one day. (laughs) Well, what's your high? My high is just that I have had a really great last couple weeks. I don't know. I had a meeting right before Thanksgiving about sort of the next steps for such a bad influence for my book coming out in June. So hopefully like very soon we will do the cover reveal, the pre-order link, all those things. So that was really exciting. And then I felt like, I don't know, that kind of spurred something in me. And then I really just like hit the ground running on what will hopefully be my second book published, the one I started writing back in 2020 that you've all heard about. And so I've been writing and writing and writing just like nonstop. It's been so fun. I don't know. I just feel like everything's clicking. I felt really excited, really proud of like that I'm still here working on it. (laughs) And I don't know. I'm just like feeling really good about 2024. And I'm taking off three weeks between December and January, which I've had two vacations this year and both vacations, just the way that copy edits and stuff worked out with such a bad influence. I was working basically the majority of every single day. So I just feel like it's been a bit of a rough year for me and it's turned a corner. I don't know if this is very short lived, but I feel really good right now. And I'm thankful for that. I'm so glad seeing from the outside your work productivity right now. Like the only word I have for it is feverish. (laughs) It's, I don't know, something in me snapped. No, it's great. (laughs) I'm jealous. Oh, well, I'm having fun. So, so that's good. Good. (laughs) What's your low? Well, I have been dealing with a big book, bad mood. I finished the second draft at the end of October And I went to Maine the next week and I said to myself, okay, great. I'm going to do my hands-off read through and then I'm going to make all my notes and get my editing plan ready. 
And Iron Flame came out that week, so I procrastinated, but I felt fine about it. And then I got back and I continued to procrastinate. And then last week I was like, okay, we really got to get into this. We got to finish our edit plan because I really want to finish a second draft by the end of the year. And on Sunday night, I, I don't know, I was rereading the book, which I'd already reread. And I was just having a breakdown about it is the only way I can describe it. And then every time I sat down to work, I was feeling more and more awful. And so my takeaway is that like the first 75% of the book is good. It needs work, but it's like fine. The last 25% like probably needs to be rewritten. And it's like, I know it's not working, but I don't know how to fix it. And I don't know. I'm just like spiraling. So I've been having a really bad work week, but I think I'm past it. I'm now 20,000 words into this draft and my mood is better. I'm not quite Olivia yet, but I do feel good. And I'll be you once again. I know. <laughs> Switch. Um, and can I tell I think you turned a corner though. I think I have too. Can I tell you the two things that made a difference? You can. Okay. So the first thing is I woke up or not woke up. I couldn't fall asleep the other night. And I had this like frenzied realization that I think I need to like, this sounds so silly. I think I need to retype the whole thing in order to like get into it, even the parts that are good. Like I just need to find my way in to this draft. And so instead of just editing, actually retyping everything has been really, really helpful because I think it's slower. It like slows you down. Also, I think I'm less apt to retype a kind of wonky line. I'll like actually fix it instead of just leaving it. So that has really helped. Good. Second thing that helped. I'm a little embarrassed by this. So I texted my friend and fellow author, Hannah Orenstein, on Wednesday. And I was like, hey, I'm like having a complete book panic. Are you around tonight? Do you want to like grab a glass of wine and chat? And we're chatting on text. And, you know, she's like, what's wrong? And I'm, I'm telling her how I'm feeling. And she goes back into our text chain and she digs up screenshots to basically almost identical exchanges where I was freaking out about something about the Christmas Orphans Club. And I felt like everything was awful and the sky was falling and it ended up being fine. So it was such a good reminder that this is unfortunately part of the process. But I saved those screenshots to an album in my phone called It's Not As Bad As You Think It Is so that I can go back and look at it later because I really laughed at myself when she texted back these screenshots of me saying almost the same thing in a different font about my first book. It's true though. Like in the moment, you're like, this is a completely different situation than last time. Like you can't even really remember the specifics of last time, but you're just like so sure that like it's worse in some way. But it's really just part of the process, I think. One of my goals for 2024 is like, I just need to figure out how to avoid this part of the process, like how to trust the process more or... Do you think you can avoid it? Build in reminders. I don't know. I don't think I can avoid it, but I think I could have like coping mechanisms ready to go so that I don't sit in it for as long as I have this time. Yeah, that's probably a good strategy. I think... I sat in it for like this entire year. Oh <laughs> I was gosh. like, I'll just... <laughs> anyway, that's what happens when you try to work on two things at once. But that's neither here nor there. 
I'm glad those things really helped though. Thank you. I'm feeling much better than I was. Today is Friday. I'm feeling much better than I was on Sunday night. So it has been a roller coaster of a week emotionally. Um, well, we're going up. We're Just going up. up. We're going up. There's no down. This is only an upward roller coaster. What about you? What's your low? I don't really have a low, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Only really. highs. I love a week when you don't have a low. Either of us don't have a yeah. low. I'm going to take it. I-, I will take it wholeheartedly. Well, I am very excited. Let's get into this episode and let's talk about some best things because the roller coaster is only going up and I think this will make it even better. But before we do, let's take a quick ad break. I am currently obsessed with my hair and part of that is due to a cute short new haircut, but I'm also loving how healthy it looks and feels. And that is truly thanks to pros and their custom made to order hair care. Switching to a custom routine from pros has truly been a game changer for me. And three years on, we are in a very committed relationship. It's just made my hair shinier. It's made it fuller and it helps me to go longer between washes without getting greasy. Pros knows there's more to you than just your hair type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started and how Becca got started and how everyone gets started. <laughs> By analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros handpicks clean, sustainably sourced ingredients that get you closer to your hair goals with every wash. My favorite feature is Pros' review and refine tool, which lets me tweak my formulas for any reason in case I move, my hair color changes, or even my diet changes. I also think it's so fascinating how Pros asks you about your zip code so it can assess how your environment might be affecting your hair as well. As a carbon-neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon-neutral. And if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Custom made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 50% off your first subscription order today, plus 15% off and free shipping every subscription order after that. Go to pros.com slash BOP. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash BOP for your free in-depth hair consultation and 50% off your first subscription order. Olivia, let's get into our bests. So the first bucket is our personal bests. I'm curious, do you have a best day of 2024 that comes to mind? This was a tough question, but I did come up with two. Don't worry. (laughs) You were like, Uh, it was hard. (laughs) I came up with five. (laughs) Okay, so I have two. One of them was my birthday this year. And it doesn't really stick out in my memory because we did anything flashy, but I don't know. I had fantasies of like my 30th birthday, big party. Like at one point before we bought our house last year, I was like, oh, we're going to rent out a villa in Italy. And like, I'm going to do, I don't know. I had all kinds of fantasies, but in the end it was snowing. We were here at the house. We had just moved in. It was not fancy at all. And I ended up just writing a Substack post, which I happened to read recently And I just, in that day, there's been lots of moments this year where I didn't feel this way, but on that particular day, I just felt very content with just like, I have more than enough good things. I don't need anything flashy. I don't need anything other than all of these wonderful things. And 
yeah, it was just nice to know I felt that way reading back about that day. And then the second day is when I was in Mexico, I was working in copy edits and I had to rewrite something. <laughs> I wrote one of my, these not copy edits like, um, you know, the grammar and stuff, but more of like the line edits kind of stuff. Anyway, I ended up having to rewrite something that I, or add something I can't remember now, but I absolutely loved it. I was sitting in the lobby <laughs> of this hotel of Excellence Supply Mujeres and every day, for the whole first half of the day, I'd be there working and people would walk past me and be like, why are you still here? And I'd be like, honestly, I it's same. I don't know. But I wrote this scene. I absolutely loved it from start to finish. Pretty much nothing about it has changed in the final book. And oh, I can't wait to hear which scene this is after the book comes out. It was just that feeling of like, you love something you write so much. I was so proud of all of the work that had gone into this book. It was done, more or less. And anyway, I closed my laptop, went out to the the beach and had a little margarita with Jake. And it was just a really nice, really nice moment. I love that. <sighs> anyway. So yeah, I really struggled to come up with things. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> What is your best day? I don't think it will come as a surprise that my best day was my book release day. So September 26th. I just feel like there was so much anticipation getting to that day. And so when it was finally here, I was so excited. I got so much book love on Instagram from people who are listeners who got their pre-orders and were so excited. So it felt like really exciting to have a physical object that could be shared with people after having talked about it for so long. And then I walked around going to bookstores, trying to find it in real life. And I actually did not find it in real life that day, (laughs) but I was walking around the West Village and around Greenwich Village And I was walking by so many of the places that were in the book. And it made me so excited that I could take a photo of it. And then other people could know what I was talking about. Like this wasn't just a secret that was in my head anymore. So that was really great. And then I went to a dinner with five of my girlfriends and we went to Mineta Tavern and we just had like the best dinner. And it felt like Minetta Tavern in general just feels very New York-y, but it just, it was perfect. Such a special day. Like, you'll never forget that, I'm sure. No, it was amazing. Well, I wonder if like your next book release days will feel that good. I don't know. I hope so. I'm excited. Okay. What about your best meal? This is another fun category. So I was racking my brain to think of what my best meal could be. I came up with two, but they are more recent ones. So my apologies to the first half of the year because I have forgotten any meal I had. (laughs) Okay, this is going to sound a little egotistical, but honestly, the Friendsgiving dinner that I made two weeks ago, incredible. Everything about it. It looked very good. Fantastic. very, very good. I made this Allison Roman soy glazed brisket, which was incredible. I think I make incredible stuffing. Rachel brought mashed potatoes that were incredible. I made these cranberry sauce, whipped ricotta appetizers, like just to start to finish, everything was incredible. If I'm picking a meal that I ate out, the one that stands out to me most in recent memory is when I was in New Orleans for Rachel's 40th birthday, we went to a dinner at this restaurant called Herb Saint, and Mm -hmm. it was incredible. We got basically every appetizer on the menu. There were a bunch of us. So we split all the appetizers. There was this kind of carbonara style pasta, which was mind-blowing. There was incredible gumbo. And then I got duck confit as a 
entree, oh my gosh, just everything was unbelievably good. This restaurant has been on my radar for a while. That sounds so good. I highly recommend it. Now I'm really hungry. What about you? What is <laughs> what is your top meal of the year? Okay, so my top meal was when I was in England on my group trip. When we visited the Cotswolds, we stayed in this bigger city called Cheltingham, which I don't know what the population is, but like there's a book festival every year, which was also going on actually. You know, there's I think probably a college. It's like a city. So when I was looking up what restaurant to go to, this restaurant called Prithvee popped up and it had five stars on TripAdvisor. I don't know if I've talked about this here, but anyway, it was exactly five stars. Every review was perfect. And I was like, this cannot be. So I suggested it to the group and there's like 20 people. And this was one of the nights where we didn't have a planned dinner. So I was like, if anyone wants to come with me, you can, but it's a little bit fancier. I don't know. Anyway, what ended up happening (laughs) is that there was probably like 10 of us, 10 to 12 of us at this restaurant, which was just the most beautiful little restaurant. All of us at different tables, we kind of like took it over (laughs) and they like didn't realize that we all knew each other until the end. Anyway, it was like one of those three hour long dinners, just like delicious cocktails, delicious wine, delicious food. It's kind of like a modern Indian cuisine, I guess, like contemporary fancy food. I don't know how else to describe it. They're trying to get a Michelin star. Anyway, it was just one of those really long, (laughs) really fun dinners that was like, it was just so nice to look around and see all these groups of people that had been brought together on this trip. And anyway, the food was really great too, but it was more just like the overall vibe. It was so nice. Oh, that sounds great. Well, I think that dovetails into the next one. Tell me about your best trip this year. I think that both of my group trips that I went on, the one to Vermont and then the one to England, the Cotswolds in London, I think those are my favorite. It was just so nice to spend time with people who love the same things I do and to make so many new friends. I can't say it's like the most relaxing trips I've ever been on (laughs) because I feel like group travel is never that relaxing. And also like my life was blowing up in various ways during them or before. But anyway, I guess that that makes them even better in a way that they were so meaningful to me. What about you? So this is so weird because I feel like I was all over the place. I was traveling so much. I guess I did very little international travel, but looking back, none of it stands out in my mind. And I feel like I was on a plane (laughs) constantly this year. You traveled so much. I know. And none of it stood out. I I mean, I feel like this year was so hyper-focused on my book for me that that just is the thing that looms so large in in my memory. So really the trip that has stuck with me the most is my trip to London in May. And I mean, I go to London usually like once a year and I just, I love London. We had a bunch of great meals. The weather was perfect. Magic Mike. Magic Mike was fantastic. (laughs) I've gone the past two years, both in May, which is when all the roses are blooming. So Queen Mary's Rose Garden is like fully in bloom and beautiful. So. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like that is my my best trip. But I definitely I don't know. I feel like next year I want to obviously I want to continue to focus on books, but it's like how do I do books and? And I also think I just want to be more intentional about my travel as opposed to just saying yes to things and going on all these little trips. It's like, okay, how do I most want to spend my money and my time because this year I feel like I was just like, oh yeah, like I ha- yeah. I went to a lot of things for other people and I went on like random 
not local, but like I went to Boston for a week, et cetera. And I'm like, I enjoyed all of that, but I'm like, I feel like I want to be more intentional. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. So I'm really excited to talk to you more about that in the goals episode. Great. Do you have a best month of the year? I mean, again, September. Everything's coming back to the book. I swear this episode won't all be this because the next ones go into like entertainment and like things that have nothing to do with me. So September, my birthday at the beginning of the month, I'm not usually a birthday person because my birthday usually falls over Labor Day. A lot of people are traveling and I usually like just don't do anything for my birthday. But this year I decided to have like a little happy hour thing. It was very fun. I got to go sign books for the first time in advance of the release, which was so exciting to like see a pile of my books and also that anyone wanted me to sign anything that wasn't like a tax document. <laughs> um, I had my events, which Tiny were Tongs really LLC. exciting. Yeah, I sign a lot for that. <laughs> um, I had my events, which were so great. And then a bunch of my friends came from out of town to celebrate the book for one of the events in New York. So September was great. Amazing. What about you? What's your best month? I struggled with this one. Huh. <laughs> I see a, the answer as, here. As I struggled with 2023 as a whole. And I think it's because like, if I look back at the year as a whole, I look at months and I feel like in every month, lots of wonderful things happen, but they just, there were so many like things that really derailed me. Like two of my family members died and then I had a really major injury with the burn. And, you know, it was just a year of challenges in a lot of different ways. Not to say the bad things cloud the entirety of every month, but anyway, to end this on a positive note, this whole spiel, I think December is going to be very good. Coming at you December 1st as as you record this, I'm going into it with a positive attitude. I feel like I have my shit together in a way I haven't in literally the entire year. So yeah, I'm just, let's go with December. Okay. (laughs) I'm speaking it into existence. I love that for you. I hope it comes true. Do you have like a second actually happened month if you were to pick one or everything sucks except for December? Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. (laughs) I, okay. This is the best way to describe it. Like February to me was a very exciting month because we had just moved into the house and I was like just bursting with ideas, but it was also very stressful because we had just moved into the house. And anyway, not a great answer, but- Let's move on to entertainment, shall we? Let's. What is your favorite TV show of the year? Your best TV show? Oh my God. It is absolutely The Diplomat with Carrie Russell. I had to Google it. I was like, did this come out this year? Because it feels so long ago. She's the ambassador to the UK. And it's kind of like, not a spy show, but like it deals with a lot of like foreign affairs, world events type stuff. And she has kind of maybe a little bit of like a CIA background. Oh my gosh. I feel like it is the best new show in this type of like female government spy thriller genre since Homeland. I rewatched it the week before my book came out because I was like, I need something that will hold my attention. And so I watched that again. I'm really glad that the strikes are over in terms of the SAG strike and the writer strike, but I'm really sad that because so little production has happened this year, I feel like getting shows to come back on the air, I feel like it's going to be like a sad year of TV. Yeah, I think you might be right. <laughs> I also love The Diplomat. So good. Um, what was yours? Mine is Shrinking, which also I had to Google to make sure it came out this year because that was even before The Diplomat. This I think. is shocking that it came out this year. 
even as I'm saying it, I Googled it literally like yesterday and I'm like, am I wrong? I don't know. Anyway, adored this show. I, I like haven't loved a show this much or been more impressed with the show. Like the amount of, I don't know, it's like heavy, but also hilarious. I was just so, so impressed with it from start to finish. And I cannot wait for season two, which please God, let there be one. I think there is. This easily could have been tied for my first choice as well, but I did not know it came out this year. I mean, that's fair. I had to Google shows that came out in 2023. What about your best movie? I think it's got to be Past Lives, which I think I've already talked about on here, but Mm -hmm. just absolutely love this movie. Oh, yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it on a plane. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Good. Yeah, I just really loved it. What about you? Obviously, the Barbie movie. It was a cultural movement. (laughs) It was so funny. It was so poignant. I actually would like to watch it again. Now that I assume I can like buy it on Amazon Prime or something. I did watch it again and it was an interesting second watch. How so? Well, I watched it with different people. I watched it with my mom and I watched it with one of my cousins and my aunt, I think. And everyone had sort of a different reaction to it. And it was just fascinating to see what certain people laughed at, what age groups laughed at what, what jokes I might have missed the first time. Yeah, it was just very interesting. What about podcasts? Well, I mean, I feel like you deserve the credit here. I have two. They're both writing-related. One is Writer's Routine, which you introduced me to, and I'll let you talk about. And the second, I know I've talked about this on here before, is the Publishing Rodeo podcast, which is hosted by two authors who both debuted in 2022. And one of them was incredibly successful, and one of them kind of flopped. And the truth-telling that they are doing about how the industry works and what their experiences have been... I've found it so refreshing because I feel like there's a lot of opacity about how this industry gets talked about. I feel like there's more, you know, small circle behind closed doors conversations that are honest, but I feel like a lot of what's out there, I don't know, it's like maybe rosier than it can be. So I liked that they were being so candid about their experiences. Well, yes, as you said, writer's routine was mine. I just love it. This is just a man interviewing writers about the place where they write, the specifics of how they write, the font, the word processor. Do they use sticky notes or whiteboards or whatever? And I love listening to this one at night when I get ready to go to bed. It's just so incredibly relaxing. And I've learned so much, so, so much. It's really interesting that he does almost the same interview. Like his questions are almost the same every time, but I guess because he's not the focus whatsoever, it still feels so interesting every episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. What What about concert? (laughs) I don't think I went to a single concert this year. I was racking my brain. I can't come up with a single concert that I went to. I remember at one point, my friend for work had to go to a Philip Phillips concert and she was like, do you want to come? And I was like, no, not really. Um, (laughs) Yeah, zero, (laughs) zero concerts. (laughs) Sad. Well, I feel like it was a good year for me concert wise. I know. I I feel feel like like it was a good year for concerts in general. (laughs) Everyone went to the Eras tour. Everyone went to Beyonce. Like, it's true. Okay. What was yours? So Two, obviously. I think I only went to two and they were the Eras Tour, Taylor Swift, obviously, and Noah Khan. Gun to your head, which was better? Oh, man. You know, when I answered this, I forgot I went to the Eras Tour and I just put Noah Khan at first. And then I was like, oh my God, what, what the hell is wrong with me? Totally different concert experience. I feel like the Eras Tour, more than like being a concert, was like 
witnessing like some sort of feat of humanity. Like, I don't know. You know, they showed that clip of uh, Travis Kelsey at the concert. And he's just like kind of shaking his head in awe at her. Like, and they're like, wow, look at him. He's just, I'm like, literally every person at the concert is doing that. Cause you're like looking around at the stadium of people. Everyone is singing the same words. You're looking at this one person who like is the center of all of it, who like created all of this. And it is mind blowing. Like it is mind blowing. And then Noah Khan is just, you know, love the man. He, silly little man. <laughs> so I'm I don't sorry, think does, they're even comparable. Does his fandom call him the Muffin Man, or do you just call him no, that? I said, I said, <laughs> I said, silly little man because he does silly things. But oh, I heard, we could also no, call I, him the Muffin Man. I heard Muffin Man in there. I swear. And I, I was like, maybe I'm just not deep enough in this fandom to know that he is referred to as the Muffin Man. Now no, no, I kind of slurred the silly little man. So it probably did sound like Muffin Man. If I like blacked out and said Muffin Man, honestly, that's hilarious. So we'll have to And then the I tape. didn't know if it was a Shrek joke. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I, I wish I was really getting that layered in the references here. Well, tell me what your best album of the year was. So my album as a whole that I played the most, I feel like was... You'll Get It When You're Older by Blake Rose, who's an Australian singer-songwriter. I feel like there was full months where I just listened to that whole album. I feel like there are songs, like for instance, 1989 Taylor's version, I've listened to the vault tracks a ton. But I would say the worst part of 1989 Taylor's version is when the vault tracks end and then it goes into playing Welcome to New York and you're like, I didn't agree to this. I didn't <laughs> sign up for this. Um, so I have not spent a lot of time listening to the whole album. What about you? What's your album of the year? Mine has got to be Stick Season. We'll all be here forever. Parentheses. Noah Khan. Yeah. As a whole, you're listening to the album. The Muffin Man. You're listening to like the album in its entirety or you're listening to certain songs? The album in its entirety, okay. I think is great. Okay, great. Yeah. Speaking of songs, what's your best song of the year? Well... I self-reported this, but I will tell you also, so Spotify Wrapped says that my top song of the year was Colorado by Renee Rapp, which I liked, but I did not, I do not think it is my top song of the year, but I apparently played it the most. Let me see mine now. Okay, go on. I'm going to look up mine while you're talking. But I would say my favorite songs of the year are Is It Over Now by Taylor Swift from the 1989 Vault Tracks. This song called That Was Then by Emily James, which I stumbled upon as I was looking for songs for my inspiration playlist for my second book. And I've listened to this song a lot and it gets caught in my head a lot. And I don't know, I just really like it. And then on a downer note, I think Call Your Mom by Noah Khan with Lizzie McAlpine is probably one of the saddest songs ever written. And like, if you're just feeling a little depressy, yeah. That's no, a con song. Yeah. But I like the version that has Lizzie McAlpine on it too. Yeah. He's the king of collaborations. It's impressive. I know. He just had a new one come out today with Gracie Abrams. I haven't listened to it yet. And there's the one with Hozier too. I know. (sighs) Okay. What about you? What does Spotify say your top song is? And then what do you (laughs) say your top song is? Okay. So Spotify says my top song is New Perspective by Noah Khan. My top song, which I find it unbelievable. 
that I haven't listened to this one more because I would frequently turn the song. I would play it from the beginning. As soon as I got to the bridge, the end of the bridge, I'd be like, again, again. Anyway, The View Between Villages by Noel Kahn. I think it's such a beautiful song. It makes me weep. I just adore it. My second favorite song, which is in my top five or six top songs of Spotify Wrapped, is Not Strong Enough by Boy Genius. Love it. And then my third one is Labor by Paris Paloma. I've never heard of this person. I've never heard of this song. What is this? What? Maybe I have and I just don't know it by name. On my official playlist for Such a Bad Influence, there are three Paris Paloma songs, which is aggressive. I've got my homework. I'm writing this. Well, (laughs) the only piece of paper in front of me is my printed manuscript. So like, I'm going to get to this at some point and be like, what was I trying to tell myself about Paris Paloma? <laughs> Labor especially, though, I just love. I just absolutely love. I think it's so clever. I think it went viral on TikTok, which honestly is like the origin story of every musician now, including Noah Khan, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I just really like most of her songs. So I'm ready yeah. to be dazzled. <laughs> Let's take an ad break. Olivia, I don't know if you can tell on this Zoom, but I I know you can't actually because it's my bottom half, but I am currently a walking billboard for Cozy Earth. I'm wearing their joggers, which are my favorite. I'm wearing a pair of their amazing socks. And truly, I think it's a testament to these pieces that they are the first thing I reach for after I do my laundry. And I think that you could probably make a lot of people very happy by doing some holiday shopping at Cozy Earth this season. I totally agree. Maybe your mom needs the gift of a good night's rest with some of their amazing sheets, which are super soft, but also temperature regulating. So you stay cool all night, even if the heat is roaring or you're sleeping with a pet or a partner that's a living, breathing furnace, or in my case, both of those things are happening or all three of them, actually. Maybe your sister needs some cute pajamas. Maybe you do for a matching Christmas morning pajama moment. And don't worry, they have holiday colors now as well as their classics and I don't know. Maybe you want to grab a set of their amazing socks for a white elephant because you've heard me talk about them 900 times. But honestly, like they are that good. I love their socks so much. And I'm telling you, people will fight over them. And don't just take it from us. Cozy Earth's loungewear and bedding have both been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things. All of their products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. Their bedding is so soft and comfortable. And I really think their loungewear hits that perfect balance between cozy and tailored. And I keep saying this but I need to get more pairs of the joggers because they are all I want to wear this season when I work from home. So if you're ready to be a gifting hero, head to CozyEarth.com and use code BOP to get 35% off site-wide. Again, that's CozyEarth.com and code BOP to get 35% off. All right, what about your favorite new-to-you Instagram follow. Okay. Other than famous people reading, obviously. I mean, that's mine. I'm just giving (laughs) myself all the credit. I really want it to happen. Um, I I really thought I would have gone viral by now to sound like an egotistical maniac. Oh no, it's going to happen. You're on your way. But other than that, my favorite is this book account called O underscore apostrophe. Is this the one with the skirts? Yes. I think her name is Deborah. I don't know. Anyway, her grid is just this very aesthetically pleasing selection of photos. And every photo is the same. She's sitting in a chair. She's crossing her legs. She's holding a book. You can't see her face. 
And her skirt or her dress matches the cover of the book. Every photo is the same. Like it is just, well, except obviously the books and the skirts or the dresses. And it's just beautiful. And I really enjoyed it. And also I really appreciate her reviews. So I'm a big fan. What about you? Famous people reading. My new account that, as the name says, looks at what famous people are reading. I've been posting at least three times a week. So, you know, if you saw it at the beginning and you didn't follow, there's some content up now. So go check it out. You know, it was really disappointing. I posted Harry Styles yesterday and it did not get good engagement. And I think it's because his hair was bad in the photo. Well, now he has no hair. Have you seen? I have. Do you have thoughts? Mm, I liked it better with the hair, but it's not my body. His body, his choice. True. (laughs) Uh, What about a little old podcast called Bad on Paper? What's your favorite episode that we've done of the year? Okay, I have two. The first one is the Obscure Erotica series (laughs) that we did. I think that was very polarizing. People either loved that. I heard so many people at my book event tell me that that was their favorite episode. I still get DMs about it. Anytime anyone sees a paperclip that even loosely resembles Clippy, I get DMs about it. Like some people loved it and there were Reddit threads about how much people hated it. (laughs) I think we're going to do it again next year. We have to. It was so fun. There's Uh, more weird erotica out there that we don't know about. Oh my God. Oh, I already have some that I was talking about this. I went out to drinks uh, a few weekends ago with Lindsay Kelk and Sophie Cousins, and we were talking about obscure erotica. So I have some ideas of where to go next. You just need to laugh sometimes. You do. My other favorite episode was my How My Book Got Made episode, where we had on my agent and my editor. And it was just really affirming to talk about the process from start to finish and get to reflect on it and to look at it from the finish line. And also like they both said such nice things that I'm really glad I have for posterity. That should be on my list of things to do when I'm starting to get in a book spiral is listen to that episode. I actually think I literally did say in that episode, next time you are spiraling, I'm going to send you this episode. Well, you I didn't. literally think I said that. I should have clearly. I'm sorry. What about you? I also chose Obscure Erotica. I think it was a lesson for me. That was my idea. And then when people didn't like it, I went in a bit of a spiral myself, even though so many people did. But in the end, I think it's taught me that like, I don't think you can take life too seriously or a podcast that's supposed to be fun. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I had a Um, blast. I (laughs) think it is very fun. Yeah, I do too. I stand by it. I think it was one of your most ingenious ideas that you have brought to this podcast. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But other than that, I really enjoyed also the episode you just talked about, about how your book got made and the Christmas Orphans Club book club, which reminded me of the virtual event we did. And all of those moments were just like really cool for me. I don't know to be, you're in it. So it's one thing, but to be on the outside and to watch and to hear, you know, all the lows and the highs and then to see how much people love it and care about it and were affected by it is just like a very cool feeling. Like even if I didn't know you personally, it would be really cool, you know, as someone who has aspirations to to be published. So. Oh, thank you. Anyway, so that, and then on a, a lighter final note, I really enjoyed the beach read and spooky read roundups. Well, let's transition into our last category, which is shopping and the best things we bought this year. So first category what was your best clothing purchase? 
Okay, I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Um, I've been wanting to talk about this and I haven't found a way to yet somehow. I recently purchased the Skims Fits Everybody t-shirt bra. Tell me everything. Why haven't you told me about this already? You know how obsessed I am with their Fits Everyone thong underwear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just needed like a new everyday bra. I'd heard good things about this, but honestly, my expectations were just like below ground level. Like I just was like, no way. I feel like it's really hard for me to find bras that like work. Anyway, I put this on and it was as if I gained a new personality. Like I felt like I was standing up straighter. I felt like my clothes looked better. It was so comfortable. Anyway, it inspired me to buy more from Skims. I'm going to buy more of these bras. Like I'm such a huge fan. I'm such a huge fan. It's such a nice everyday bra. I'm literally buying it as we speak. I hope you like it as much as I I do. I almost bought this eight million times and for whatever reason haven't. Actually, I know why I haven't because in my size, all of the colors that I want are sold out. So maybe I'll just get a nude Mm. one or a black one. So I think that's why I haven't actually pulled the trigger, but I'm doing it right now because I also need to do everyday I hope you love it. I hope you do. What's your best clothing purchase? I'm happy to report that I think my best clothing purchase is my Birkenstock Boston clogs. Like it's certainly the thing that I'm getting the most wear out of and most joy out of. Truly life-changing to not have to tie shoes in the winter and to just be able to slip something on. I have the ones that have the shearling inside and I actually find them plenty warm enough with cozy socks for like as long as it's above 40 to Hmm. walk for like decent amounts of time in. And I was really worried about breaking them in too, because especially with the sandals, you hear how brutal that process is with the break-in, but I haven't had that at all. And maybe it's because I'm wearing socks with them, but it's been fine. Oh, good. Do you have a best beauty purchase of the year to share with us? Yeah, I have two. So I had to go back into my Sephora account because again, what is time? And I didn't realize that I only started using it this year. But my first one is the Rare Beauty Liquid Blush in Grace. And I am obsessed with this product. And then my second product is a hair product that my hairdresser used on me when I got my haircut over the summer and I bought from the salon and I'm obsessed with. So it's the R&Co Trophy Texture and Shine Spray. And it's almost, I mean, it's very similar to dry shampoo, but it's makes your hair shiny as well. And then it's kind of like a combination of like dry shampoo and hairspray almost. Hairstylists love this brand. Yeah, I really like it too. I've used the Dallas, which is like the thickening line of the shampoo and the spray. So I like those, but I'm very into this texture spray, especially with my new shorter haircut. What about you? I have two. The one is the Winky Lux, the pH changing lip balm. I just really like the texture of it, how it made my lips feel. It was just like the perfect amount of color. I've since lost it, but I I needed to buy another one. It's very small. That's the thing. And also like, I'm just constantly moving things from one tote bag to another as if the one canvas tote bag from the bookstore looks much different than the other canvas tote bag from a different bookstore. But anyway, I guess they have their purposes. So I really like that, but I'm going to replace it soon. And then the other thing I like is the, apparently the item that's a hit with 14 year olds everywhere. So here I am at 30 trying to fit in, but it's the Sol de Janeiro body mist, perfume mist, body spray. I have the Brazilian crush one. It's like, so this is perfume or is this like moisturizing oil? Okay. No, no. It's like body spray basically. So perfume. Um, Yeah. Okay. But, but it feels less like 
involved than perfume, if that makes sense. Like I spritz it on myself like, okay, well, I feel like there's a difference because body spray to me is like, oh, I'm leaving the house and I just like, I'm in workout clothes. I just want to spray something on. Whereas like, I'm not pulling out the Lulabo when I'm in, you know, like bike shorts and a big sweatshirt. That just feels weird to me. But I will do a little bit of the plastic spray bottle like I'm in. I'm getting out of high school gym class. I don't know. There's a rationale in here in my brain. (laughs) I'm happy for you. Okay. Thank you. What's your best home purchase? Honestly, I look through my entire Amazon purchase history for the year. I was like walking around my house touching things. I cannot think of a single thing I bought for my house except for, and I do like this, but I do think it is the only house thing I bought, um, my garlic chopper from Amazon that I talked about a few weeks ago. Other than Mm. that, I truly do not think I bought anything for my house. So, I mean, that's a good cost savings bucket from years past. Yeah, definitely. Wish I could relate to that. (laughs) Um, What about you? This is a very hot category for you. You have not only bought a whole house, but everything in it, theoretically. Yeah, I don't want to think about that too hard. But um, I was thinking like home tools for some reason when I read this. So... I want to just sit here and advocate for the shop vac, which is like an industrial vacuum. It has like the nozzle. We got one at Costco when we bought the house before we moved in. I guess I had a sort of premonition that we would need it. And let let me just tell you, that thing has saved our lives a million times. If you have an old house or you do house projects, just buy a shop vac and thank me later. I do not foresee the need for that coming to me, (laughs) but I now I know. Yeah, I don't. And you have to have room to keep it. It's very hefty. What about your best miscellaneous purchase? I guess this is also kind of a house purchase, but all new bedding from Bowl and Branch. I've talked about this nonstop, but I not sponsored whatsoever. But I got a new mattress topper, a comforter, a duvet cover, all new sheets, all new pillowcases, obviously. Best choice I've made in my adult life. Like it just, I feel like I have a hotel bed in my brain, which is all I've ever wanted. Congratulations to you and Jake and Winnie. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Winnie is really just thriving. Uh, What about you? The thing that I am most obsessed with this year, which you are going to get a full earload about in our goals episode, is my five-year journal. I am obsessed with my five-year journal and I have written an entry for every day. I haven't written. Sometimes I catch up and do like a bunch at once. I'm so excited for next year when I have previous entries to look back on. What I am obsessed with is the practice, not the actual product. I don't think, I don't know if there are better ones than others. Um, The one I have, in case you are curious, is from a brand called Lectern. I think I would say that is pronounced, but maybe not. Hmm. Luchtrum, something like that. It's one or the other. I love this for you obsessed. So I decided that each year I'm going to write in it in a different color pen for the whole year. So it's I was actually going to suggest rainbow. this to you because I haven't done this and I regret it. So I bought my 2024 pen color on Amazon mm. the other day. It hasn't come yet, I don't think. That's very, very smart. Thanks. Well, let's take one more ad break and then I want to get into some end matter. So are any of you planning on road tripping this holiday season? I feel like over the summer and near the holidays, whenever people are in their cars for long stretches of time, 
our number one request in the Facebook group is for audiobook recommendations, and especially ones that both you and your partner will enjoy. And today we're partnering with Macmillan Audio to give you some ideas for scary, thrilling page turners that are going to make your ride fly by. So take it away, Olivia, because we all know scary is not my wheelhouse. Yes, I love scary and I am very familiar with the road trip. So there are two thrillers that I'm really looking forward to listening to in the coming weeks. One is What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall. I have heard such good things about this book and this author. And I'm really excited to listen to it on this long road trip we have coming up from here to South Carolina, to Florida, to even more South than Florida. Anyway, it's going to be a whole thing. I feel like thrillers are the perfect book for these kind of long road trips. Another one I have queued up is All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham. So the premise of this one is so spooky. The main character's baby was taken from his crib in the middle of the night while their parents slept in the next room. So except for the occasional cat nap, the mother has not slept since this occurred and it has been a year. So she spends every waking moment looking for her son. Anyway, talk about a just absolutely terrifying premise that I'm sure would make a drive fly by. So long story short, both of these thrillers are going to be downloaded on my phone as soon as possible for our 20 plus hour road trip down to Florida and back this December. Also for both of these books, these authors both have books coming out in winter 2024. So good time to catch up before their new ones drop. So both of these audiobooks, What Lies in the Woods, by Kate Alice Marshall and All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham are both available as audiobooks from Macmillan wherever books and audiobooks are sold. So if you are looking for something to pick up for your holiday road trip this season, those are two of our recs. All right, Olivia. We just played a real game of chicken there of like (laughs) both of us with our mouth open trying not to be the one that cut each other off. It was very respectful. Um, Yeah, we were trying. Tell me about your obsession. My obsession is something I've been obsessed with for a while now. It's Harney and Sons pumpkin spice tea. It is caffeine free. It's like a black tea, but it's on the spicy side. I can't say I really get any real strong pumpkin flavors, but that's fine. I love this tea in the afternoon with some oat milk. It's just very calming. It does have like sort of an orange tint, which I like. I just really like it. I just, I'm a fan. I'm so glad. What is your obsession? So I would like to take this opportunity to talk about pens. Oh, okay. I've recently been doing some pen purchasing and I have been testing long enough and I now have thoughts I'd like to bring to the table. But Mm. I guess first, before I tell you about my pens, do you consider yourself a thick pen person or a thin pen person? Uh, the one I'm really into now, this Caveco one, I don't know. I would consider it thin. Okay. I don't know what the size is. So what I have realized about myself is that I think I'm a thick pen person because... Yeah, no. As I, soon as you said that, I have a visceral reaction that okay. that's not me. Well, because I think that my ha- the thicker the pen is, the better my handwriting looks. And as somebody who mm. really internalized something about having pretty handwriting... Like, that is a big part of writing for me. So I feel like I have different pens for different purposes, I'm realizing. So I've been writing in my five-year journal with a Le Pen because it's pretty thin because then I can write more 
per entry because you only have a little bit of space. But I don't Mm -hmm. like writing with a thin pen if I have unlimited space. So like for my to-do list or if I'm just writing notes for my book. So I think I prefer a thick pen for any kind of casual writing. I do not yet know the answer if this is the pen for writing longhand multiple pages, but I have two wrecks of the pens that I bought that I'm very into. So the Hmm. first one is, they're almost more like markers, kind of. They're both felt tip pens. So the first one is a Prismacolor pen, which the strategist did this whole pen power ranking, and it's like the top 100 pens. And this was the pen that they said was their number one felt tip pen, which is what I prefer. I usually like a Papermate Flare. And so I bought this pack that had five of them with different tip sizes. And the one that I like best is actually the middle one, which is still pretty thick. And it's the 05 weight one. Mm. And I at first didn't think I liked this because I think it had to open up to get inky enough. At first, I felt like it was a little draggy. But now I've, as I've been using it, I'm very into it. Hmm. Okay. As you can tell, I take pens very seriously. Yes. Um, The second pen is truly very close to a marker. However, it does not bleed through. And if I could get away with writing with a marker, as long as it doesn't bleed through the page, which is annoying. Like, I'm I'm not a marker. I'm not a marker pen gal. But I like, I love this. I especially like this for like writing on a post-it note or something. Like a Mm -hmm. note to self. So it's like in your face. Very bold. Bold. Fat writing. It's the Pigma graphic one pen. And so I think one is like the thickest weight pen, if I'm understanding correctly. It's like a one millimeter tip, I think. Maybe I butchered that. Mm. I have both of these pens in black. And I feel like my next step is going to be, I mean, I can't buy any more pens. I guess next time I have a mental breakdown when I'm self-soothing by buying pens. I only have these in black, but I'm like ready to start investigating what color options are available to me too, because I do prefer a colored pen. Oh, this... That's a lot. I appreciate the level of detail. It's a topic I feel more strongly about than I should. (laughs) I like it. The fourth grader in me that got to go to the school store and like buy school supplies is alive and well inside of me. (laughs) Thriving. Thriving. What about reading? What are you reading right now? Oh my gosh. So I'm reading Bright Young Women. I've been reading it for a while, very slowly here and there, but I'm like really into it now by Jessica Knoll. I don't think I've mentioned that. Anyway, I'm obsessed. It's so good. It's so good. Every part of it, I'm just like, I bow down. So good. I knew I would, but man. I'm very curious to read this. I've listened to a lot of interviews with her around the promotion cycle for this book, and I've found a lot of what she's talked about fascinating, Mm -hmm. both regards to the positioning of the book with regards to like commercial versus literary and like why she wanted to write this from the women's point of view. So I'm very excited to read this. Yeah, so good. She's so talented. What are you reading? I'm actually rereading right now. So I am rereading Story Genius by Lisa Crone, which is a writing craft book. You're not really a craft book person, are you? Like the craft of writing, not like arts and crafts. I read the Stephen King book a long time ago Mm. before I even like, they kind of scare me because I'm like, I think I'm going to read them then be like, well, I've been doing this all wrong. (laughs) And which I guess would be helpful, but I don't know. Oh, I really like it. I feel like it's, there's something comforting, even if I disagree about somebody being like, this is a quantifiable process that I can explain. 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. I read this a few years ago when we were doing rom-com pods, and I've seen it come up many, many times being a book that other writers strongly recommend. And the first time I read it, I think that I was very dismissive about it because I did not like how hard it sounded and how much it disagreed with what my own process was like. But as I've been in this bad book place and as I've been struggling, I decided to reread it. And I do think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know that I'm actually going to like go through and do the whole process, but it's given me a lot to think about. And also, I feel like rereading it, I don't know, three years later, however long it has been, I can tell that I've grown as a writer because I feel like parts of it I intrinsically understand now, probably just from having like gone through the process of writing a book where I'm like, oh, yes, this does make sense to me now in a way that like I don't think I was fully grasping before. That's really interesting. So I feel like Story Genius and Save the Cat writes a novel are kind of like the two main books that get talked about a lot. So yeah, I felt like it was time for a reread on this one. Great. So that's what we've got for you. Next week, we're going to be coming to you with our best books of the year. And we asked you to submit voicemails as well. So we're going to hear about your best books of the year too. If you would like to talk about your bests of the year that are not book related, come hang out with us in the Facebook group. Come join our Geneva group. You can talk to us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I am on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. And we will see you next week for our last episode of 2023. Oh, wow. Really? Gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yes. See you then. (laughs) Bye. Bye.